I love this verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, I beseech you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer yourselves as living sacrifices. And this is your spiritual act of worship. So worship is not something that we just do on Sunday. And worship is not something that we just do when, when there's a band, when there's a nice sound system the worship has to become a lifestyle what you what you just experienced here today is just a glimpse of what can be when you surrender your life to jesus when you surrender your life to jesus you know you you can know the entire bible be puffed up with theology but if your life is not surrendered Because salvation begins, Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, then you are saved. Confession that Jesus is Lord. Salvation is not just about confessing that Jesus is your Savior. That Jesus came and died for you and he saved you. Confession about, confessing about that Jesus is Lord of your lives. And the thing is, if you know, if you know our history, anybody who has tried to lord over us has been a really bad example. You know, they've abused people for power. They've they're known for all the atrocities. And we don't like lords. But Jesus is one Lord who does not force himself and he does not demand. But if we allow him to be the Lord of our lives, there's nothing better that can happen. There's nothing better. Him to be the Lord of our lives. Lord. You know, not not partial ownership. You know, yeah, yeah, God, you know, you take care of my spiritual aspect. Rest I'll take care of. Or not just in the areas where you're struggling, but complete ownership. And I'm saying it's a privilege because he can do a better job than what we can do leading our own lives. You know, Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, For my thoughts for my thoughts are not your thoughts this is god saying for my ways are not your ways as far as the heaven is above the earth how far is heaven from the earth very far right and god says my ways are are much better are much higher are much greater do you know that god thinks about you. He has thoughts about you. He has dreams about you. And his dreams about you are better than your dreams about yourself. Yes, amen. amen. Moses, thank you. So God has thoughts about you and his thoughts are superior than your thoughts. How many of you know that? Are you sure you know that? That God's thoughts are much more superior, much more better than my thoughts. That his dreams, his plans for my life is much, much, much better. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I have plans to prosper you to benefit you I, my plans are of peace so that i can give you future and a hope god begins by saying for i know the plans i have for you i'm like why would anybody begin the statement saying i know the plans i have for you he could have just said i have plans for you but he said i know i have the plans for you do you know that God has plans for you? Do you know that God has big dreams for you? Yeah. 
dreams for you to be benefited, for you to prosper, for you to live life, to give you a future and to give you hope. You know what comes in the ways of God's ways? What comes in the way of God's plans and God's dreams? Say my plan. My plan is the biggest hindrance to God's plan being fulfilled in my life. God, I'm telling you, this is the kind of girl I want. She should be tall, dusky, pretty. She should know how to play the guitar, speak five languages. Uh, perhaps maybe God has a better plan for you. See, my message is very simple today. If you let the Holy Spirit write the story of your life, it will be much better when you write your own story. It's much better than your version. Much better. And today, as Christians, as children of God, we have a privilege to let the Holy Spirit write our stories and to be like, wow! I say yes to that, Jesus. Meaning, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you should not have any desires. Oh Lord, yeah, I have no desires, I only worship. No, I'm not saying that, but, but don't get so holed up with your desires. That there's no room for God to work in your life. God, this has to happen in my timeline. You know, two weeks, I give you a two weeks deadline. I better get married by the end of this year. I better, this, I better make sure that this works out. Or I'll forget all about you. You want to twist God's arm. Or hold on to our version of what we think is good and where God says, oh, my ways are greater than your ways. Romans 12, 2, Paul says, God's will, you can test and confirm that God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. Good, acceptable, and perfect. So God's will has various levels. It begins with good. But if you allow him to work more in your life, you can move into the next level which is acceptable, which is pleasing to your soul. But you can move into the perfect will of God. Perfect will of God. First John chapter 5. If, if we ask anything, this is the confidence that we have. If we ask anything according to his will, our prayers will be answered. As long as your life stays in the framework of His will, everything that you hit is everything that you hit is a success. Everything. As long as you stay in the will of God, everything that you do, everything that you touch is like gold. Joseph was Joseph was a slave, sold as a slave in the marketplace. But the Bible says the Lord was with him. He was in Potiphar's house, serving Potiphar, not having a great title, but eventually he has, he becomes the leader of the servants and the Bible says the Lord was with him. He goes to prison. The Bible says the Lord was with him. The interesting thing is it says, and the Lord prospered him. Why? Because the Lord was with him. It is the presence of God that is with you that brings prosperity. In fact, I want to rephrase that. I want to say it is the presence of the Lord that is your prosperity. See, if you're, if you're praying for an increment in your salary, right? You, in, in the corporate, let's say, you begin with 20, 20K as your monthly salary. And then you're believing God, God, bless me. And then your salary increases to 40,000. What next? 80,000. What next? One and a half lakhs. What next? Three lakhs. You know, God can keep blessing you. 
But the highest level of blessing that you can attain is when God becomes your salary. See, God calls Abraham out in Genesis chapter 12 and he says, you know, come out, follow me. And he keeps blessing him, blessing him, blessing him. And at one point, God, God is exhausted. How much more can I bless him earthly? Abraham, I'll become your inheritance. I'm speaking to somebody today very clearly. If you can make God your desire, he can become everything you need and more than you desire. That's why the psalmist says, delight in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Oh, desires. You know, you know one thing that stops us, that stops us from moving into the purposes of God is our own desire. Our own desire. And it's not like God doesn't want to hear what your desires are. What do you like? Do you like a car? Do you like, do you like the black MG Aster that's standing outside the church? Is that your desire? God loves to hear your desires. But it is a problem and that becomes the sole focus of what we behold. Can I show you something? Come, come with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. I want to show you how Eve got tempted. How desire is so powerful. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, what's the first thing? What did she see? She saw, she saw something that she was not supposed to see. It's not just about just looking, having a glance. It's the second look that's the problem. You know, you looked at something and you're like, yeah, okay. But it's always a second look. She saw that the tree was good for food. She saw, saw, look at what she's beholding. And then, and that it was a delight to the eyes. So, she did not just glance at it. She saw it, stayed there, looking at it, till it became a delight to her eyes. It became a delight. And then, and that the tree was, be, was to be desired to make one wise. Now she, now her entire being, her logical, rational thinking is making her justify that what she is beholding, what, is, what she is desiring is a good thing. Isn't that what we do? When we hold on to our desires, this is what I want. That boy, oh Lord, yes, I know. His name, yeah, I found it in the Bible. And you keep looking at it. Our desires are what stops us from staying in the perfect will of God that God has for us. And God is like, my ways are not your ways. My ways are much better. My dreams are much better. My plans are much better. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you trust me to write your story? Will you align your heart with me? Can we do this together? Can you partner with me where I can lead you? He leads me in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. But the thing is, we are so stubborn, we don't want to be led. Because what we think is green, we, we want to camp there and we're like, this is green. But you don't even know that's not green, that's yellow. God wants to take you to greener pastures if you allow him to lead you. Because he's gentle, he leads you. He leads you in green pastures. He leads you. So how did Eve get tempted? She saw, delighted, and then desire. Okay? She saw, she saw the tree, stayed looking at the tree till it became a delight to her eyes. It became pleasurable. Wow, this is so good. 
to a point that she began to desire that fruit from, from her entire being. Her whole being wanted it. Because her rational has agreed to it. It will make you wise. Christians, I just want to say, there's a very thin line between what you hear from God and what your desire is. There's a very thin line. Be very careful. That's why be part of fellowship. Have a covering over your lives so that they can help you discern the difference between what is your desire and what is the Lord speaking to you. Because sometimes you can use what God is speaking and completely twist it for your own agenda and waste your life, waste your time and then take five years down the line you realize, oh man, it was not worth it. James chapter 1 says, verse 14 and 15, never say that God tempts you. God does not tempt you. When are you tempted? You are tempted by your own desires. So every, every sin that has been committed has, has come out of a desire, an unfulfilled desire. And it is unfulfilled because it does not align with the will of God. So a desire brings forth sin and sin eventually leads you to death. So imagine yourself, you're sitting in a car, you're, you're sitting in the car of sin and what drives it towards death is desire. But how does desire begin? It begins by beholding. When beholding changes to delight, delight changes to desire. But I'm saying, if you can use that same process and completely do an antithesis of it, if you delight, if you see God, and you delight in God that it is good for your eyes so much that your entire being wants Him. Psalms 27, verse 4, One thing have I desired, is to be in your house and to gaze at the beauty. Oh man, you know why David was so amazing? In spite of all the crazy things that he has done? It's because his desire was God. Oh, I want to see you. I want to see you. Yes, I have these things. Yeah, I want to have children. I want to, you know, I want to be a king. I want to grow my kingdom. I want to do all of this. But my desire, my primary desire is to see you. Nothing compares to that. And he kept beholding God to a point that his entire rational, his entire being desires to be with God. Oh God, man, this one day is better in your presence than thousands, thousands elsewhere. It all begins by what you behold. What you behold is what you're going to desire. Because what you behold becomes your delight. Your delight becomes your desire. So if you desire God, it's like you're sitting in a car and that desire leads you towards life. This choice of choosing between God's desire and your desire, it's a choice of life and death. It's not just a choice of losing a couple of years. It's a choice of life and death. What are you beholding? Are you beholding your desires? Um, I'm in no way disregarding desires. Desires are powerful. It is what keeps us alive. It, what's, it is what keeps us going. Dreams are what keeps us going. And God loves your dreams. He loves your desires. But the question is, have our desires sometimes become God? Have they replaced God? That not seeing them fulfilled really frustrates us, agitates us. And we call that faith. We don't put our faith in just getting our desires met. We put our faith 
so that we can see God's will to be established in our lives. Because God's will is good, is pleasing, is perfect, is much better than we can think or imagine. Jeremiah 29, 11. Let's read that. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. Declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. You have to understand the context behind this verse when God said it what was happening when God said this he said this to the children of Israel he said this to his people they weren't going through the best of times it wasn't like their bank accounts were filled you know you can be joyful when your bank accounts are full and you have everything going your way you can be joyful. Yeah, I'm, I have the joy, 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 joy down. But your joy is tested when you go through trials. That really determines how mature you are in your faith. If you can still say, I've got the joy, 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 joy. When you go through sufferings, when you go through Things that were not planned for. Oh man, I did not plan on this. I thought God was good. And then COVID happens, three years, lockdown. Where is your joy? So when God is telling this, I have plans for you. I know I have plans for you. Plans for future. These children of Israel, they, they, they were in exile. The Babylonians had come and conquered their kingdom. They had to run away from their homes. They had to leave their homes. They lost their homes. They lost their businesses. They lost their proximity with their people. And they were spread across the entire world. And that's when this word comes to them and tells them, I know the plans I have for you. You know what's the interesting thing about the prophet Jeremiah? So the story is the Babylonians come and they attack and they occupy Israel. But Israelites knew that this was going to happen. Jeremiah, as a prophet, he warned the Israelites, hey, the enemy is going to come, repent. Because the leadership, the Israel leadership at that time was so corrupt, was so cruel, they were... They were abusing their position. They were misusing their power. And God told Jeremiah, hey, if you don't stay in the will of God, I will not be able to protect you. As long as you stay in the will of God, if the entire armies of the world comes, I will stand before you and protect you. And he kept warning them. God kept warning them to prophet Jeremiah, repent. Repent, get back to the Lord. Mend your ways, get back to the Lord. But these guys, the leadership, and I'm talking about priests, prophets, and kings, these, this leadership was so corrupt that they justified themselves. And you know what they did? They brought in false prophets who gave false prophecy, who gave false hope, saying, hey, Babylonians, they're here only for two years. In two years' time, everything will be fixed. You'll all go back home. This is just a two years of fighting. And Jeremiah said, no. If you guys don't repent, they're going to come and plunder your houses. You're going to lose everything. Do you know what false hope is? False hope is when you put your hope in circumstances to change without the word of God. Just believing that everything will change. No, our hope is not for circumstances to change. Our hope is in God's word. Is in God's word. These guys were so corrupt that they still brought in false prophets to prophesy against what Jeremiah was speaking. 
And because the volume over there in their side was a lot, Jeremiah's voice got suppressed. And eventually what happened, they did not repent. Babylonians came, they plundered, they squandered, and everything is destroyed. And now the Lord talks to Jeremiah and he says, Hey, I know the plans I have for you. I know what you've gone through. But I know the plans that I have for you. I think it's in Proverbs. It says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to death. Ask yourself that today. It may seem right to you. I didn't do anything wrong. That's what happened with the leadership of Israel. They thought they were doing the right thing. When God kept warning them, stay in my will, because my will for you is good, is acceptable, is perfect. Stay in my will. Don't drift away. Stay in my will. Stay in my love. Don't abuse my people. But they kept pushing it. And then finally when Babylonians come, they are thrown into exile. They lose their homes. They lose their business. One in, in, just, in just, it's like an overnight, everything gets destroyed. And now the Lord is encouraging them. I want, I want you to see God's grace even in this calamity. Okay? Come to Jeremiah 29. Verse 5. Jeremiah 29 verse 5. God is telling his people, build houses and live in them. You know why he's saying build houses and live in them? Because the false prophets who came before, they were telling the people, giving them false hope. The Babylonians are here only for two years and then God is going to finish them. And Jeremiah is saying, no, that's not what is going to happen. They're going to be here at least for 70 years. So this is the word of the Lord. Build houses and live in them. Has it happened that suddenly your life has changed? Your life has pivoted to a different direction and you're still trying to get back, do a reset, but where God is like, hey, I'm in control. This is exactly where I want you to be. Settle. Build houses. Live in them. He says, plant gardens. Eat their produce. Don't worry. It doesn't look like what it used to be. Don't worry, but I can make it better. Yeah, you don't have a king of Israel. You have a king of Babylon ruling over you. But still, I am your king. I can make it better. It doesn't matter what your circumstances. As long as you stay in God's promise, in the word of God, it doesn't matter what your circumstances. It will always be better for you. It is not the geographical location that brings you prosperity. It is God and his word. So he says, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughter in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. I have great plans for you. Stay there. Multiply. Don't decrease. And then he says, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you in exile. He's saying, I have sent you in exile. Seek the welfare of the city. Why? And pray to the Lord on his behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. You don't like the city that you're living in. You don't like the office that you are in. You don't like the title that you have. But have you asked yourself, maybe God has kept you there? So that in the welfare of the place that you're living in is your welfare. But you're all waiting for that. One day, that green pasture. One day I'll get to that better job. One day I'll move from this work and get into ministry. But maybe God has called you into this place. Ministry is not your calling. Have you thought about it? Ministry is your escape route. Or the other way around. Have you ever asked yourself, God, is this where I am supposed to be? Is this what you want me to do? How does Jesus teach his disciples to pray? Father, holy be your name. May your will be done 
on earth as it is done in heaven. God's will is not getting done on earth because people of God are not saying yes to his will. How good is heaven? Your life can become heaven if you say yes to God's will. Yes to God's will for your life rather than putting so much energy in building up your own desires. I'm all for five-year and ten-year plans, but if it doesn't align to the will of God, my goodness, I'm telling you, you, you're in for a disaster. How has how has your five-year been? Five-year plan been working out? Tell me. But, but every time, every time you choose to say yes to God's will. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Every time you choose to say that, you're moving from death to life. You're moving from death to life. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says, By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them, you may become partakers of his divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. I want you to backtrack. There is corruption in the world. What is it because? Sinful desire. Sinful desire is what caused corruption in the world. And this corruption is not just corruption of money. This corruption is the corruption of the body. This decay and death that you see. Everything that is around you decays over time. That is because of sinful desire. But the good news is, you have been given promises. You have been given God's promises. Great and precious promises. You have an inheritance of promises so that through them, through those promises, you become partakers of God's nature. And you escape this corruption. God's desire for you is to escape the corruption of the world, is to escape decay, is to escape death, is to escape any form of thing that brings you down. But it is through the promises. Say with me, promises. Promises of God. Promises of God. So if you can align your desires with the promises of God and not just have your own cloud of desires, you're moving from death to life. You're moving from sinful desire to God's will. You're moving from sin walking into righteousness. That's why Colossians 1, Paul says, you know, being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. God's will cannot be understand, cannot be understood by the natural mind. It takes a spiritual mind. And for you to have a spiritual mind, you have to stay on the promises of God. What are God's promises? God has promised so many things over your life. What are God's promises for you? And I want to say those gods, those promises that God has promised over your life, they are much, much, much better than what you are desiring for yourself. They are much better. Let God write your story. Don't be too adamant and stubborn to let go. Have desires. It's good to have desires. I want to go to Singapore one day or I want to go to Dubai that's great desires have desires but don't let that desires suffocate you stay on the promises of God and let his desires shape your desires speak to him bring your desires to him he loves to hear your thoughts he loves to hear your desires even though your thoughts are not that great you know 
think about how deep he's thinking compared to our thoughts, you know. See, when Abraham, he probably, when God called him, he probably was only hoping to have a child. That would have just made his life, right? He would have been happy. And once Abraham had Isaac, he was on top of his on top of his world, right? Excited, happy. But God saw more than that. God was seeing you and me. That's why he was blessing Isaac. God saw the coming of Jesus. God saw salvation. God saw the redemption. See, when you're thinking about the next 40, 50 years, God is thinking about 10 generations. Can you imagine the plans that God has? It's so deep, so wide, so multidimensional. You, you know, even if God began to even tell you, you, you can't even understand. So will you let him become the Lord of your life? Surrender and let him become the Lord of your life. Then choosing to sit in that seat of throne and be like, I'll do whatever I want. Yeah. Oh, I want to show you something. Jeremy, come here. I've done this illustration before. Do you know your mind? Just imagine this is your mind. Your mind is designed in a way to be plugged into a source so that you can flow and be a blessing. Okay? Show me. Your mind is not supposed to do this. You look at this and you'll call it foolishness, right? That's what, that's what we do when we stay on our plans and our desires. Your mind is designed to be plugged to an external source. To the source of God's wisdom. Thank you. To the source of God's will, God's desire, God's plans. Not to be plugged into yourself and be like, yeah, I like it. I saw a nice dream. Amen. Amen. It's a simple message, guys. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. Let him, ask him to lead you. Because he's gentle. He'll never force, force it upon you. Ask him to lead you. And he can lead you. And you'll be surprised. Oh, man, you'll be surprised. Th the thing about God leading you, I have, one thing that I have learned is, in the immediate, you will not understand. Why, God? Why? Why are you asking me? You know, when, when, I knew the calling of God was upon my life. And I told God, God, I'm ready to preach. You know what God did? He opened a door of opportunity. You know what was that door of opportunity? To teach Sunday school children. So I taught Sunday school children. 12-year-old, 13-year-old. I taught them. And then after a year, when I thought God was going to promote me, He opened another door of opportunity. You know, this time it was teaching five-year-old, six-year-old. That's how I began my ministry. And it didn't make sense to me because I'd be like, God, you know that I can speak deep mysteries from the book of Romans and Ephesians and you are here asking me to teach the children. Only God knows what he's doing. I, can I tell you something? What I taught them is what I'm teaching you. All those years ago. That was my training ground. God knows what he's doing. God is like, if you can teach them, you can, you can teach them also. Because they are, these people are more stubborn than them. So in the immediate, even if you don't know what is happening... In the immediate, if you, even if you don't understand why, why this is happening, what's causing, doesn't make sense. It doesn't align to my timeline. It doesn't align to the plan that I had for myself. It's okay. Trust him. Wait for it. Now, 10 years down the line, when I look back and I see how God led me, I'm like, I'm so grateful to God for saying yes to him. I'm so grateful that I did not stand in my own way of destruction, you know? 
And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful story. Everything connects together. Everything that you do. Nothing is a coincidence. Nothing. You, every, every little business opportunity, every, little, every person that you meet, nothing is random. When you are in the perfect will of God, everything is planned by God, orchestrated by God. I came to Chhatrapur a couple of years ago. And, I, and I, at that time, I was wondering, why, God, why did you bring me here? Now I'm staying here. When you are in the perfect will of God, my goodness, it might seem in the natural, listen to me, in the natural, it might seem that you're taking small steps because it takes time to hear and respond, right? So it might feel like you're taking small steps and everybody has gone far ahead of you. But 10 years down the line, you will see those small steps were enough. Were enough. You were restful. You did not strive for it. You did not you were not in the rat race of the corporate world. But those small steps were enough because when Jesus steps into the boat, it reaches the shore immediately. So I want to assure you as somebody who's made mistakes and who has also seen the goodness of staying in God's will, that it might not seem logical, it might not make sense in the moment, but if you trust Him, He knows it. He knows what your five years looks like. And when you look back and you're wondering, man, I was thinking about that, now see how God has elevated me? Those are not even my worries anymore. What was I even worried about? Doesn't even make sense. It does not even relate Because God's plans are way better than your plans. God's plans are way better than your plans. Trust Him, guys. Trust Him. You know, today's word is not something that I plan. It's not my usual DNA or the DNA of the church. But I just feel in my heart very strongly. If not one, most of you need to hear this. That when you make the Lord of, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, oh man, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, that's the best decision that you've ever made in your whole life. Now you might say, yeah, I, I get it. But I still haven't got that job opportunity. I still haven't got that and this promises that God has promised me. But can I, can I tell you this? You know Jesus. You know Jesus. Do you know how many people don't know Jesus? Do you know how many people are perishing? Because they haven't heard the gospel. They haven't heard the good news that God loves them. God cares for them. That God's plans are for them. Do you, do you understand the value of what you know? The value of whom you have experienced is much more, far greater than anything that you have not experienced yet. Are your desires, are your desires, unfulfilled desires more greater than what you have experienced in Jesus? Yes, all those people have gone far ahead of you. But they don't know Jesus. You don't know the struggles that they live. You don't know the insecurities that they face. You don't know the oppression of the devil. The chaos in the family. All those things that you take for granted when you encounter Jesus. When you encounter Jesus. Does that nullify that your desires have not been fulfilled? Does it nullify the promises that God has for you? Oh man. Come on, I think this is a moment. It's a Holy Spirit moment. God moment.
to realign our life's priorities and to say Jesus you're the one I decide to follow you you are the one and nothing nothing compares in knowing you nothing even comes closer ah it's it's my privilege that I get to know you it's my privilege Oh yes. Come on, will you just take a moment just to re-surrender your life? I I know that you surrendered once and that's enough. But just to get your priorities right in your head. Maybe maybe some of you need to recommit your life to Jesus and be like, "Jesus, I've been so drawn by these plans and these desires and these things of the world that is choking me from inside but today i desire you to be my only one i desire you i gaze at your beauty i behold you to delight in you to become the lord of my lives i know jesus It's the greatest privilege that I have. We know Jesus. Come on, it's the greatest privilege that we have. bottom of your heart let it flow 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 yes for he is good he loves you he showers you with his love let it flow oh lord i love you i love
Come on, let's worship him. Yes, come on, lift his name up high for he's enthroned on our praises. And all will see how great, how great is our. Come on, just in your own words, in your own words, worship him. In your own words, from the bottom of your heart, come on. Oh, I sing a new song to the Lord. Let new songs come from your heart. New songs, come on. Come on. Let him become the delight of your eyes, the desire of your heart. Oh, yes. You are the desire of our hearts, oh Lord. One thing have I desired. One thing have I desired. One thing have I desired is to gaze at your beauty, is to stay in your house forever. One thing, one thing. One thing, one thing. Ready, Alabaga, say, they did it, 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 they did Oh, you're my only desire. You're my only desire. You're my only desire. Oh, come on, open up your mouth. Come on, lift your praises up high. Open up your mouth. Come on, you are the Lord of my life. Declare, declare. You are the Lord of our hearts. You are the Lord of our house. You're the Lord of our homes. You're the Lord of our finances. You're the Lord of our relationships. You're the Lord of my future. Yes, for the plan that you have for me is for my benefit, is for my peace, to give me future and to give me hope. Yes, oh, I surrender to your plan. I surrender to your desire. I surrender to your dream. For your dreams are bigger than my dreams. Your dreams are way much better than my dreams. And I say yes to your dreams. I say yes to your dreams. I say yes to your dreams. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. Move. Yes. Move. I need you more. More than yesterday. I need you more. More than words can say. I need you more. Than ever before. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you more. More than yesterday. Need you more. More than words can say, I need you more than ever before. I need you more. I need you more. More than the air I breathe, more than the song I sing. More than the next heartbeat, more than anything, and Lord, as time goes by, I will be by your side, cause I never want to go back to my old life, I need you more, more than yesterday. I need you more More than words can say I need you more Than ever before I need you more I need you more I need you more 
more than yesterday. I need you more. More than words can say. I need you more than ever before. I need you more. I need you more. And I just want to confirm this to give you an affirmation. The Bible says that you are accepted in the beloved. That God accepts you just as you are. And that you are the apple of His eye. You know, you bring delight to God. I have two nieces and I put so much energy in telling them how much I love them. But every time they respond back to my love, it brings delight to my heart. You know, God is pursuing you. And every time you turn and respond to His love, it brings a delight to His heart. You are the delight of His heart. He smiles at you. He loves you. Oh, He loves it when you respond back to Him. Oh, He loves it when you say, I love you, Daddy. I love you, Abba. He loves it when, when you're like, Daddy, I need you right now. He loves it. He, he does not take time because he's already waiting. He's already pursuing you. And he comes like a mighty rushing wind. <laughs> whatever your need is, whatever your desire is, whatever your wishes and your plans and your dreams are, God can become all of that. Your heavenly Father can become all of that. If the Lord can become an inheritance for Abraham, and if he could, if he could become David's refuge and salvation, the Lord can become your dream. He can become the very dream that you're hoping for. Whatever it is, if it is healing today, if that's what you're praying for, God can become your healing. He's not somebody who gives healing. He can become your healing. God can become your healing. Yahweh, Yahweh Rapha, which means God who has become your healing. He has become your healing. Oh, more than the dreams, the dream giver has become your dream. He has become your desire. I want to know you. This is our heart's desire. Come on, how many of you agree with me that this is our heart's desire? Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you experientially. I want to know you where your words become a reality in my life. I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you. My eyes are on you. My eyes behold you. My eyes take delight in seeing you. My heart desires in knowing you. Yes. I believe the Holy Spirit is realigning some of your broken pieces of your life. In the fullness of God, in the fullness of His presence, there's fullness of joy. In His presence, there's fullness of joy. In His presence, there's freedom. And I believe some of you are set free today. Some of your, some of the oppression of the devil that has been holding you together, you've been set free completely. You are free today. You're free today. You're free today. The strongholds of the devil that looks like desires to you have been set free from those desires. You've been set free from the deception of the devil. You and your beloved. Ha, that's all that matters. You and the beloved. Yes. You and the beloved. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for setting our priorities right. Ah, we just, we're just so grateful that you have become the Lord of our lives. You've become the Lord of our lives. Thank you, Jesus.